Hey, Crossroads, hope you had a great week last week. We are so glad that you are with us today. There's three things that I want to tell you about because we are so excited about them here. The first thing is Operation Christmas Child. Many of you are familiar with it. It's an amazing ministry that we get to be a part of where we get to show the gospel and love of Jesus Christ to kids all over the world through the gift of a shoebox. Now, the shoebox is going to have things like personal care items, clothing and accessories, crafts and activities, even a personal note from you. And we've seen God use these to impact people's lives uh, all over the world. So we're going to have boxes available in the lobby starting next week. So make sure you come, grab some boxes, give them to your friend. We're going to be collecting them beginning on November 16th through the 23rd. So make sure you don't miss out on being a part of this amazing ministry. The second thing is our Next Steps class is back on Sunday, October 25th. It's going to be a great opportunity for you or someone you know to learn more about your next steps here at Crossroads Ministries. What it looks like to become a member, or better yet, an owner here at the church. We'd love for you to be a part of that, so make sure you sign up online uh, October 25th, right after the second service. Lastly, on Wednesday, October the 28th, it is Trunk and Treat right here at the church. We have three time slots that you can register for online, either 6.30 to 7, 7 to 7.30, or 7.30 to 8. You can register online for your child to come and enjoy that, or you can register for you to serve or to even decorate your own trunk. It's going to be a ton of fun. We can't wait to see you all there. Hey, God has something for you this morning, so get ready. Church is about to begin. morning everybody thanks for joining us would you stand up here in the room and thank you for joining us online we're going to sing to the one who created all we're going to praise his name here in the building and sing out to him would you lift your voice with me praise god from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below praise him above
Actually, four things. Don't let me forget. One is that we have our next steps meeting next Sunday, which, or sorry, the 25th of October, and it's right after the second service. And this is for anybody that's looking to, to, to make Crossroads their home. You know, this is more about membership, more about getting plugged in, more about serving. What does the church believe? Pastor Ken's going to be leading this class. Uh, we're just asking that you RSVP on the front page of our website. And then we have the 28th of October, which is going to be our trunk and treat. And so trunk and treat uh, is where we have trunks in the parking lot. We decorate them and then kids and their families come from all over and we are we give out candy and we share the love of Jesus with them. So we're looking for more trunks. And last service I shared that uh, we are looking for any type of trunks, including smart cars. So whatever works for you, uh, your unicycle, you know, you can bring that too. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna be handing out candy, and so join us on the 28th, and you can register your kids uh, and let people know about it, and you can also RSVP or and register your trunk on the front page of our website. And then we have Operation Christmas Child coming up, and so I want to let you know that all those red and green boxes will be in the lobby next weekend, and so feel free to grab those. 
and you can bring them back the week of 16th through the 23rd of November. And uh, all kinds of information on our website as well as uh, the ability to pack uh, a box online. So check out that information on the front page of our website, crossroadsministries.com or crsmin.com. Last thing is that right after the second service, we're having an informational interest meeting about the uh, Christmas interactive experience because we're unable to do the uh, Christmas dessert theater this year. So we have a different outreach opportunity that we're going to be sharing. Uh, we're really, really excited about that. So Beth DePietro and I will be leading that meeting right here about 1230. We're going to get going right in this in the auditorium after the second service to talk about the Christmas outreach opportunity we have in the parking lot using lights and it's going to be interactive. And yeah, so just stick around. We'll share more information. But uh, yeah, I'm going to pull up Proverbs uh, for us. I want to read this passage as we just consider giving. Um, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. And so as we just as we just consider just being faithful and being on mission with the Lord, just knowing that, guys, when we give, uh, we're, we're a part of something greater. We're a part of the mission of the Lord. So uh, thanks for being on mission with us and giving online through the mail or there's boxes in the lobby and then on the auditorium. Um, but thanks for being on mission with us, guys. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift um, and what a what an incredible truth to know that when we give, uh, we are ushered into the presence of the great, and that is you. Lord, when we give, when we sacrifice, when we step outside of ourselves, um, Lord, when we put aside our selfish desires and tendencies, and God, we recognize, um, Lord, that when we give, when we give of our finances, when we give of our time, our Resources we give of all kinds of different things, Lord. That we are, um, we're in step with you. And so, Lord, this morning as we give online, as many have already given online, have have uh, given and through the mail and and in other ways, Lord, we just thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Lord, draw us to greater faithfulness. Lord, draw us to greater, um, just a greater embrace of you. Lord, pull us towards yourself this morning. And, Lord, just even at the mention of the name of Jesus, Lord, we are just blown away at your power. We ask all things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. Would you guys stand as we continue in worship this morning? I wanted to um, highlight a few of the lyrics from the song we're going to sing. The verse says, Bring it all to peace, the storm surrounding me, let it break at your name. And the chorus says, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, you silence fear. Um, And I just wanted to talk about this because um, throughout our lives, we're going to be facing storms, um, especially right now with, you know, how things are in the world right now. Um, And just in our lives in general, in our relationships, um, there might be various storms we're going through, um, different situations that are difficult, um, things that rob us of our joy and our peace that we can't sleep at night we have anxiety and fear and uncertainty um there might be like a darkness that's just clouding your your mind and you can't get a moment of clarity um and i just wanted to remind you that there is so much power in the name of jesus just speaking his name the shadows can't deny it um he cannot be overcome and all beings will bow to him and so when you're in the middle of a storm or whatever you're going through, just remember, just speak his name and let it break at the mention of his name. And Philippians 2.10 says, 
At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth.
surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Sing. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When I see the ashes, you see the Because we know that our hope comes from your son, Jesus. 
Soften our hearts, Father, as we hear your word and all your people said, Amen. Crossroads, aren't you glad to be here today? Thanks for joining us online as well. Let's welcome all those online today, all right? Let's thank God for everybody today. We are so glad to be able to gather, whether it's online, whether it's in person, but we are gathering and we are ministering to each other. I hope you've enjoyed the time of worship today. Wasn't that great? Lifting up the great name of God. We're in a series entitled The Blessed Life, and we're talking about what does it mean to be blessed he says blessed. The word blessed means happy. All right? So if you go through there and you see happy, uh, happy are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. How many want to be blessed by God? All right? We all want to be blessed by God. That's why we're here today. We want a blessing from God. And God has his blessings for us. And he's given us eight statements here in the, in the book of Matthew chapter 5. It's the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. And he's given us eight statements that are blessed. He says, this is, if you, this is, this, these are the keys to a blessed life. So the blessed life. Let's look, go over here to Matthew chapter 5, 6 today. And we're going to continue. He says, Blessed are those who are hunger, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Read it with me out loud. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I love how Jesus uses words that we can understand, don't you? Hunger. Thirst, you can understand that. Like, you know what it means to be hungry, right? When I put this picture up here, you know what it means to be hungry. You know when, uh, when you're hungry, you know what you have to do to be able to deal with hunger. You have to go eat. And, and you have to eat something that is, going to, that is going to fill you up. He says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And so, you know, when you, when you think of this, this picture of the coming back to, to get a bowl of food, you come back and, and you get that bowl filled, and when you eat it, you're filled. It's filling. It fills you up, right? Hunger is this. Hunger is having a strong desire or craving. And I want to encourage you folks. I've, uh, we've been putting notes out in the foyer, so on your way in, since we're not handing anything out with the whole COVID thing, please grab one of those on your way in. There's fill in the blanks. It's a good place to keep notes. So if you have one of those, I want to encourage you to fill in the blank there this morning. Hunger, the definition for hunger, if you look it up, is to have a strong desire or craving. How many crave chocolate? Yeah, we all crave chocolate, don't we? Uh, I mean... The rest of you should crave chocolate, right? Chocolate, I think, is one of the greatest things in the world. We love chocolate, right? So when you, say, when you understand a craving, you understand a strong desire, you understand thirst, we can identify with this. The psalmist told it to it like, says it like this. He's explaining to us this craving, this desire. Inside of all of our hearts is a craving and a desire for God. Now, check this out. Look at this over here. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. I want you to think about this, because if you go down here in the Mingo Park in the evening, and, uh, and you take your deer spotting lamp, and uh, you go around, the, around the, the little creek down there, you will no doubt find deer that are drinking out of that brook. Anytime I've ever gone down there at night with a deer spotting lamp, you find anywhere from five to, to 105, all right? The, the deer just love to come there, and they're craving it. That like, and, and so the psalmist relates this. He says, as the deer pants for the water, as the deer is craving that water, desires that water, so my soul craves for you. My soul longs for you. There's just one problem. What happens for us many times is we go and we try and satisfy our hunger and satisfy our thirst with things that do not satisfy we're hungry and we don't even know it. Uh, we don't even know what we're craving. So we're, we're craving for God, but it's easy for us to go to things that are very temporary. And we go to things that, that, will, that will soon fade and things that don't fill. And this is why Jesus says, he says, if you go to those other things to be filled, you're going to be empty. You will not be filled. But if you come unto me, hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be filled and, and you're going to be satisfied. Some translations use take that word filled and translate it as satisfied. If you hunger and thirst for me, for his righteousness, you will be satisfied. In Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon talks about this. He, he says that life is meaningless. He talks about the cycle of life. You know, life is a cycle. Uh, it's seven days a week. You know, you're going to get up and go to work every Monday. You're going to have Christmas every year. You're going to have Easter every year. You're going to have Thanksgiving every year. And, and, and the calendar just keeps rolling. And, and he talks about this meaningless cycle of life. And basically what Solomon says is if you go to the cycle of life, if you keep going to what you see here on earth to fill this quench, this thirst for God, it will never quench it. You'll be left empty. You will be wanting more all the time and you'll never be satisfied. Satisfied is a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful thought. And so God's relating it here. Jesus is relating it to, the, to being satisfied at a meal. And so think about that, to be hunger and to be satisfied. As a matter of fact, John 6.35, look what Jesus said here. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. He says, if you come unto me, I, I am the bread of life. I am the sustaining of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry. You're, you're never going to, you're, you're going to keep coming back to me because I am the one who satisfies. God is the one who satisfies. And so what happens is when we get hungry, quite often we go and we look to other things. Did you ever, did you ever go to the refrigerator door, open up the refrigerator door and say, I'm hungry. I just don't know what for. Raise your hand if you've done that. Okay, the rest of you are lying. I know it. Okay? We've all done that, right? We open up the refrigerator door and we say, man, I'm hungry. I don't know what for. And then we just end up eating, you know, oh, I found the Eskimo pies, right? Found the ice cream. And it's like, oh, that, that works. And then you know what happens? You've got to have another one of those and another one of those. But, you know, if you sit down and you have steak and vegetables, have you ever noticed? Like you're full. You're satisfied. But when it comes to pizza, you just eat pizza. You have to eat like four, six, eight of that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not literally that much. But you see what I'm saying? Like you have to eat and it doesn't really satisfy. 
And so God says, when you come to me, it's like having a steak. He's the bread of life. And he says, I am the one. And, and your career can't satisfy this. Your family can't satisfy this. Your finances can't satisfy None of these other things. And, and so Pascal said, I believe it was Pascal said, that there's a God-shaped void in all of our hearts that only, only fits for God. And so many times we try to take that void and we try to put other things in there and it just doesn't fit and leaves us empty. John four thirteen and 14, Jesus answered to the woman at the well. He's standing beside the well and he's talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about the, the, the water at the well there. He says, however, look at this. He continues on. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so when we come and we drink of Jesus, we eat of Jesus, we come to him and we hunger and we thirst after his righteousness. What does he do? He promises here, he says he's going to spring up a fountain within you. The water that he gives, you will never be thirsty again. Like, this is the only thing that will satisfy. Do you ever go out in your your yard and you're working it's a hot day out in the yard and and uh and you're just so thirsty and, and you come in and, and you might have a glass of iced tea and you you chug that down and it all oh, felt good it was cold but it didn't really quench your thirst you sit down and have a nice glass of water it's amazing how a glass of water just quenches your thirst it takes care of that that longing and that desire and so god says that that's exactly what he wants for you he wants you he wants me to hunger after his righteousness. Jeremiah said it like this. He's, uh, he's talking, he's the prophet, he's talking to the people. He says, my people have committed two evils. Talking to the nation of Israel. They have, number one, they have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. Now, that's a key note there. Because even in the Old Testament, we see this living water. God is the living water. The fountain of living waters. They've forsaken the fountain of living water. And they have made themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. They have made for themselves. They they go over and they're they're making a cistern that can try and and contain everything. And and here's what happens. When we come to to this world that we're looking for to fill us up, we can't even contain it. In other words, you're never going to be happy. It just never is going to help. And he says, listen, my people walked away from me. They were thirsty. They tried to quench themselves. They tried to quench it by, by, uh, by something else. You know, when you think about this, a, 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 an appetite is really a good thing. When we are hungry, yet we try to, we come and it's easy to fill that appetite with something very temporary. It's tragic when we come and we hunger for the wrong things, the things that just don't promise to fill us. And yet we think that we'll get filling from them. Doesn't satisfy. Physical hunger. It's so easy to go eat just a bunch of junk and it doesn't fill. But whenever you eat the good meal, it fills. Whenever you eat that good nutrition, you're, you're satisfied. It's amazing that, that we hunger and, and we, we, we have this hunger and, and you can keep going back to the thing that's going to destroy. Any addict will tell you that they desire the things that destroy them. And they wish that they would not desire it anymore. 
And so as, as they're going down this, this journey and they're, they're, they're addicted to whatever it may be, they keep going after this thing that is absolutely destroying them. And as they keep going for that, they just wish that they could not, not do that anymore. And so the answer to that is to come and hunger after the righteousness of God. Because soon when you begin to eat of the right things, you begin to acquire a taste for it. And then whenever you come to God, he's the one that will satisfy. And that's the best part about this thing. We have a warning here from uh, in First John chapter 2 about, uh, about the things that do not satisfy. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Next verse here. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Like right there, folks, those three things, that sums up pretty much all the problems that you deal with in your life. The lust of the flesh, things that are pleasing to my flesh, my sinfulness. Uh, the lust of the eyes, the things that we see, taking something that we see. I mean, you think about this, uh, just how much of that really derails your life. The things that you see, and i got to have that. The pride of life. Well, look look at me. Look what I have done. I've been successful. I, I, I. Pride is always the middle letter in pride is I. I, I, I. He says the pride of life. These things are not of the Father, but they're of the world. They're temporary. And he says this. Now, check this out. He says those are not of the Father. They're of the world. The world is passing away. And the lust of it, the desires, the passions of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You want to abide forever? You want to, you want to remain forever with God? He says, listen, it's, it's coming and, and following after him and, and his righteousness. And so when you begin to understand the righteousness of God and hunger for it, it, it kind of like, it, it changes your life. It satisfies. So we understand hunger. We understand thirst. Now, the, the third word of that verse I want to look at is, is righteousness. What is righteousness? And if you're filling in your notes there on, on your notes, what is righteousness? You know, when I think of righteousness, I think of somebody who's kind of pious, right? I think of somebody that's self-righteous. They kind of will brag about themselves and tell you how good they are. And, you know, have you ever heard somebody refer to somebody as a holier-than-thou? Okay, that's what we typically think of when you think of somebody who's righteous. Okay, because it's they're they're self-righteous and they they are they're good. They tell you how good that they are, and they begin to share with you that that they are such good people, and what what they have done, and that's their self-righteousness. But that's not what he's talking about here. God's not talking about you going out and trying harder. He's not saying, hey, those who you know want to be filled, try harder to be good. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying righteousness, and I'm going to give you two definitions of righteousness because there's two prongs to righteousness. Number one, righteousness means to be right with God. Would you say that with me? Righteousness is to be right with God. In other words, this is your position. You have a position before God. Once you come to Jesus Christ and you trust him, you have the righteousness of God. And you say, well, that's a pretty bold statement. Well, yeah, it's right here in God's word. Here it is. Verse 17. For the gospel, Romans 1, 17. For the gospel, or in the gospel, the righteousness of God, actually it's the righteousness from God, is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the just will live by faith. 
In the gospel, the gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin once for all forever. He was buried. He rose again. And this is the way to eternal life. It is in that good news that the righteousness from God, God's righteousness is revealed. And it's given to you and I. And and it's so powerful. The righteous... It is that you receive it by faith. It's not by you earning anything. The gospel, this is the good news. God makes you right with him. Number two, the second thing about righteousness is this. It is living the right way. Read that with me. Righteousness is living the right way. We're going to live God's way. Maybe that's a better way to put this. Living God's way. You know, God has given us a way to live. He's giving you his word. He tells you how to how to how to do your business, how, like how to how to, how to run your career, how to run your life. He tells you everything. He tells you how to have a happy family in here. Everything is right here. And he's going through this sermon on the mountain. He's saying, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after this, after his way." So when you start to understand that, you understand that first of all, it's your position. In Christ, I have been declared righteous. When I die and I stand before God because of what Jesus has done on the cross, God no longer sees my sin. He sees me as righteous. Thanks be to God. Amen? But the part that we struggle with is the practice. And the reason that we struggle with the practice is because we have an unhealthy relationship with this word holiness. We've only thought about how, uh, about what holiness is not. When you hear the word holiness, you typically think about what you cannot do. Isn't that what you typically think of? When you hear somebody say that they, they are holy, that's why the holier than thou, right? Because, well, they don't talk like that. They don't act like that. They, they don't sin. Well, excuse me, right? They're holier than thou. That's an unhealthy relationship with holiness. That's what the Pharisees did. See, the Pharisees, and, and we have modern-day Pharisees, too. There's modern-day Pharisees that, that, will, that, will, that can do live a very good life, and it's just outward conformity. They haven't gone to the heart of who Jesus is. And it's so easy because, you know, on the outside, I can't tell. But on the inside, you can because you're never satisfied. And when you're going to Jesus and you're, and you're coming and you're getting his righteousness, now, it, it's so interesting. If you go over to 1 John 2.29, 1 John 2.29 says that since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. So it's not the other way around. It's not, hey, I see you do right, therefore you're a child of God. No, no, you're a child of God, therefore you do right. And so what happens is, have you ever heard that statement, apples don't fall far from the tree? Well, you're a child of God. You have the righteousness of God. And apples don't fall far from the tree. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, as you live, you hunger after this. Now, we all get derailed from time to time. And thank God his grace is enough. Amen? His grace is sufficient. And so I'm so thankful that, that God has, uh, has given me and he's given you his righteousness. Proverbs 12:28 says, In the way of righteousness, in the road of righteousness, there is life. Along the path is immortality. And that's talking about eternal life there. 
Like, like the righteousness of God. So he's not saying here, look, if you act right and do the right things and you, you're a good person that you're going to go to heaven. No, no, he's saying the righteousness of God. This is where life is. Jesus followed up this proverb with uh, John 10.10 10, when he came and he said, I have come that they might have life. You see, the Pharisees, they, they thought they understood holiness. They had no life. They were, they were in bondage. They were in jail to a set of rules and regulations. The way of the, of the righteous is life. The road of the life, righteous is life. It leads to God. I like what St. Augustine said. It really helps to understand this. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until we find peace in thee. God has made you and I for himself. And we are really restless until you find that peace. And for many people who started a relationship with God, maybe you started a relationship with God many years ago, but you're restless. You're trying harder. God says, listen, I don't want you to try harder. I want you to be satisfied. Do you see the difference? Trying is never satisfied. Maybe I'll be good enough. Maybe I'll be good enough. Well, God says that there's only one way to him. is through his son, Jesus Christ. I want to give you a couple thoughts here about righteousness. Number one, I can't make myself righteous. You cannot make yourself righteous. Aren't you happy for that? I can't make myself righteous. In other words, you can't stand before God and say, God, I'm a really good person. I, I, I can't, this is not about me trying harder. And the more that you try and the better that you will somehow, uh, somehow less sin that you will do. That's not righteousness. That is outward conformity. And that is just going through the motions. God says, I want you to be righteous. I want you to be right in my eyes. And you can't make yourself righteous. Look here, Romans 3.20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. In other words, by their good works. The law simply shows us how sinful that we are. That was the, the Ten Commandments and all the law of the Old Testament. Um, they, 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 they were there to show us that we needed a Savior. The law simply shows us how sinful that we are. So we can't make ourselves righteous. You know, one day, uh, a few weeks ago here, I was talking with somebody, and I, I was talking to a gentleman, and I asked him, I said, how good is good enough? He was telling me how good he was and how good that he could get to God and, and by his righteousness. And he was beginning to tell me his journey of, the, of righteousness, of what, what he could do. And, and no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law says. By your works, nobody can be made right with God. And I said, how good is good enough? And, and I read this verse to him. And as I read this verse to him, all of a sudden his eyes kind of got a little glossy. And, his, and, and he shared with me. And he, he said, you know, when, when I asked him, how good is good enough? He began to think. He said, well, wait a minute. I've been, I've been giving my whole, everything about me. I've been working so hard. And he began to realize that it is not his righteousness, but God's righteousness. And God wanted to give him his righteousness. God took care of your sin at the cross. 
God took care of your sin. This is the second thing about, about righteousness, is that God took care of your sin in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin once for all forever so that you could be made the righteousness of God. Wow! For all have sinned, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an, it's an archery term. So here's a, there's a bullseye. You're shooting a, a bow and arrow at a, at, a, at a bullseye. And if you miss the, the bullseye, they would say that you sin by one, sin by two, sin by three. So God says, for all have sinned, all have missed the mark. His mark is perfection. I have sinned, you have sinned, and so we miss the glorious standard of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. Freely. His righteousness is free. It's not something that you can earn. It's by His grace. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. He freed you. Understand the penalty for your sin, to be separated from God forever and ever in what the Bible calls a real place called hell. Jesus died so that we don't have to be separated from him, that we can enjoy life now and life eternal. He declares us righteous. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being just. He was being fair. I want you to think about that today because God took care of your sin. Over in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. I want you to remember if you trust in Christ, you have become the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Amen? Man, think about that. I am the righteousness of God. I have been made right with God. I am right in His presence. So what what do you do? You receive this by faith. All you got to do is trust Him. All I have to do is trust Him. That's the third thing about, about righteousness is I simply have to trust Jesus. It's real simple. And look here, Romans 10, 9 and 10. I want you to read this out loud with me together. Let's read it together. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved from the punishment of your sin. He, said, he doesn't say if you'll go to church, if you'll try harder, if you'll have very little sin. He says if you will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the God of the universe. You know, one day, the Bible says that one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I would recommend doing that now. Amen? I, I would not be waiting until the judgment to do that. Because when we leave this earth, it's too late. And God says, I want you to surrender to me. Trust that Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You are the God of the universe. And believe in your heart that God the Father raised God the Son, Jesus, from the dead. 
God says that you will be saved. For, look what this verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is what God's calling for each of us. He wants you to hunger after righteousness. Folks, I've found that most people hunger after what they can do. And it's sad. Hunger, hunger how I can better my career. Hunger how I can better my family. Hunger of what me, what I. God says, mm-mm. hunger for righteousness. Not your righteousness, not what you can do for what Jesus has already done. There's a, uh, there's a book out. His name, it's a book on business. It's a great book. I would recommend anybody read it, really, uh, for your job. It will help you to be a better employee as you're working in your, in your office. It will help your boss. It will help everything, right? This book is by Patrick Lencioni. It's, a, it's just a book on business. But he gives three things that, that make, make for a great employee. He calls it the, the name of the book is called The Ideal Team Player, right? There's three things, and he states that they are to be, ha- uh, to be hungry, to be humble, and to, uh, and to be smart, okay? And so today, as we're going along there, I want to remind you that he says here that hungry is a passion for the work that you do. All right? Hungry. So Patrick Lencioni defines us as passion for the work that you do. Isn't that what we're talking about here? Hunger after righteousness? Passion for God. I'm coming after God. I'm passionate to be uh, to to do what he wants me to do to to live for him and to have a relationship with him. He continues on. He says to be humble, find humility when you are wrong. I, I think if we could see more of that, I think your office would be transformed, wouldn't it? Like uh, you know, if, if you were more humble, and if the people that have been wrong around you were more humble, right? Like it, it would it'd be it's just life transformationing. Uh, but that's that's a word that's hard to come by. By the way, doesn't that remind you of? Blessed are the meek. Isn't that interesting? And then he says, he says to be smart. Uh, not meaning like brain smart. He's meaning like be, be like aware of people. To be considerate of people and, and to learn how people receive you and things like that. And I thought, boy, you know, this guy must have read a little bit of the Beatitudes. Because I just see it all over there, right? And so, so God is telling us, he says, happy are the hungry. Happy are those that are hungry, that have a passion for what you do. And we're hungry for two things. We're hungry for a right relationship with God. All right? That's the first thing. Hungry to be made right in His eyes. We, we want God to make us right. Number two, hungry for the things that please God. And again, have a right relationship with righteousness and holiness and all that. It's not about what you don't do. It's about the holiness. It's about the joy. And let me tell you how you do this. How do I stay hungry? How do I get hungry? How do I stay hungry? How do I keep coming back to this? That's the last thing in your notes today. How do I stay hungry? You know, I started my journey of faith whenever I was seven years old. How do I stay hungry till I'm 75, 85 years old on the other end of the spectrum? How do I do that? Well, you stay hungry, first of all, not by focusing on what you can't do. Because that's not what God's about. God isn't sitting here and saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. He's all about his love. So number one, focus on his love. Focus on God's love for me. Say that with me. Focus on God's love for me. How do I maintain my spiritual hunger? Is by focusing on God's love for me. Love God. 
Many of us say that we love God and we struggle. And I hear people tell me this all the time. I love God, but man, maybe I don't love him enough because I just have these problems and I, and I just do the things that I don't want to do. Well, let me share with you this morning. It's not that you don't love God. It's that you don't understand his love for you. Did you catch that? It's not that you don't love God. You don't understand his love for you. God has an unconditional love for you. An unconditional love for me. And that is just, that is life altering. That is life changing. It means no matter where you were last night, God loves you today. Amen? Wow. The Apostle Paul told the Ephesians church, he was trying to lay out, if you go in the book of Ephesians, you find that he he gives them all these things about understanding who they are in Christ. And he tells them how to serve and and, and to just to be made fully alive. But he says this, he says, may may you have the power, Ephesians 3.18, may you have the power to understand. And I think this is where most people stop because they don't understand his love. They may know it and they may try to love him, but... Many people, good-meaning Christians, have been struggling for years because they don't understand. They don't understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love really is. Like, they don't understand how wide. God's Word tells us that He said... Your sins have been forgiven. They have been taken away as far as the east is from the west. I would say that's pretty wide. They don't understand how long, how long suffering God is. Like, like you say, but you don't understand, Ken. I've been struggling with this thing and it's been plaguing me my whole life. And I say to you, you don't understand. God loves you more than you can imagine. And yes, you may struggle with that. And may I may not understand your struggle, but I want to tell you this today. God loves you unconditionally. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. It doesn't matter what you say about yourself. God loves you unconditionally. And when you start to understand this, now you've been set free. Now you can be free to do what God wants you to do in his life, in your life. Uh, how how long, how high, how deep. Like, it is so deep that God will never, never have another condemnation of me again because of what Jesus did on the cross. Wow. Now, whenever I go out and I want to live life, the way I live life is by this. I cannot just leave it up here in an understanding. I have to experience it. Look at verse 19. May you experience the love of Christ. Experience it. This means that whenever I'm in the community and I've been rejected by somebody, that I don't have to fight back because I am loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It means that whenever you're tempted to go do, get involved with things that, that you know are just going to be self-destructive, and that hunger stirring up and you're going for the junk food, and God says, no, don't go for the spiritual junk food. Come unto me and I will give you rest. And when you understand and you begin to experience it, experience Christ's love, though it is too great to understand completely, 
you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Then you will be made complete when you experience it, when you understand it, and then you experience. And I think many people have left God in church on Sunday and no experience on Monday. And I want to invite you to experience God tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. And, and can you just get up every day and say, God loves me? Could you imagine if you just got up tomorrow morning and said, Jesus loves me? Oh, when I was a kid, they taught us that song in church. Do you remember that song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I sang that over and over and over. And you know what? Sometimes I still sing it over and over. Oh, it's not the coldest and the hippest little tune, but it's the deepest little tune. There's nothing that will change your life more than understanding and experiencing the love of God. Secondly, start to eat spiritually good food. Man, we, 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 it's like we're going to the refrigerator. We don't know what to eat, right? Well, God says, start making the choice for the spiritually good food. When you try to fill that hunger with salary, with uh, status, with position, with passion, with power, it leaves you empty. It's non-filling. It's non-filling. God says if you're not hungry for God, it's likely because you're filling up on other things. You're filling up on things that, that there's no room in there. Like, like you filled your stomach. Like, do you ever go and, uh, and, and just go to a wedding and, uh, and find the cookie table first. Did you ever do that? Come on. There's one or two others out there. Thank you. The cookie table, that's a Pittsburgh thing, right? That's a big Berg thing. Like the hundreds of cookie tables, the hundreds and hundreds. I, I know last year they had this big thing in Monongahela, the cookie table. And they broke the Guinness World's record for the cookie table. So what I always do is whenever I go, I, know, I look. You know, you're waiting for the bride and groom to come. I look for the cookie table. And my wife looks for me. Because she knows I've wandered to the cookie table, right? And, you know, most of them, they, they've wised up the people like me. They, they put, like, little towels over that so you eat it later. And I just get there early and I go. And I come back with, you know, those little lady locks. Do you ever eat those things? Oh, they're so good. They're just, they're, they're not the real deal, but they're like the little ones, right? They make them on a clothespin. And I'll go back and I'll have another one. And pretty soon I'm sitting at the dinner table with white powder everywhere. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's everywhere. And then comes the real food. And you're not hungry because you had a dozen of these little lady locks, you know? You just kept, you didn't even notice it. You just, they were disappearing. And that's what happens. We fill up on the junk. You fill up. You, you come over here and you're trying to fill up. And then when it's time to eat, you're not ready to eat. And this is what happens because we give ourselves to all these things. And we're, but listen, it's very temporary. You've got to go back and have more of that. But if you sit down and have that nice meal, nutritional value, it fills you up. It really does. Proverbs 15:14 says, A wise person is hungry for the truth while the fool feeds on trash. Isaiah 55, 1, Isaiah said this. He says, come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. And you without silver, you without money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. He says, listen, come. Even if you don't have money, come and eat. And he says here, come and drink, come and eat. 
Verse uh, 2 here, the next verse. Why do you spend silver on what is not food? Wow. And your wages on what does not satisfy. And God's message is loud and clear today. Why do you go hunger and thirst after what does not satisfy? God says, listen carefully to me. Eat. Eat what is good. Verse 3, continuing on. Pay attention and come to me. Listen so that you will live. Wow. Back in the great famine in China, over 50 years ago, there was a great famine in China, and people were trying to, trying to survive. And my understanding is that they made some, some sort of food out of dirt. There was no nutritional value, but these, di- these people died with full bellies. The Great Depression in Australia, they made food out of the spores of the Nardu ferns. There was no nutritional value. People died of starvation with full stomachs. Today, people are spiritually dying with full stomachs. No value. No nutrition. Nothing that will satisfy. Seek after God above all else. You want to stay spiritually hungry? Seek after God. Seek after Him. The psalmist said this. He says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. He, the psalmist actually wrote this in a desert. He says, my, I'm earnestly searching for you. My soul thirsts for you. And I ask you today, where's your desert? Where's the dry and weary land? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationships? Is it your finances, your career? Where's that, where's that dry and thirsty land? Come and seek earnestly after God. Don't seek these things. God said it himself. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. This is one of those favorite verses of mine. I have them committed to memory. Read it with me. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Seek first, above all else. Number one, tomorrow morning, seek God. Number one, at lunchtime, seek God. Number one, at dinner time, seek God. Number one, in the evening, seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Hunger and thirst after His righteousness, not your self-righteousness, not what people think about you, not what you can do, not how you can become better, not how I, 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 but seek God first. And His righteousness, being right with Him, seek that first. And God says, He'll take care of everything. He'll provide for you. Do not face the day until you face God. Do not face the day. You know, your day has a lot of problems tomorrow. Don't face the day until you face God. This is, requires a little bit of effort, doesn't it? It requires you've got to set your alarm and get up a little bit early. It requires a mindset, like on your way into work, you've got to be thinking about God. I've got to be seeking Him first and, and not trying to just please everybody around me. Not even trying to please yourself. Seek God. Have a spiritual meal every day. 
literally have a spiritual meal every day. You know, if, if you went and didn't have a physical meal till next Sunday, can you imagine what that would be like? It'd be wild around here, wouldn't it? We'd all be crawling up the ramp to get in here. A spirit, you know, a physical meal. God says, don't wait till next Sunday to have a, a spiritual meal. Have a spiritual meal. Get into His Word every day. Yeah, you have the Bible app. Go on the, on the phone, download U version, Y O U version, Bible app. Just go to your app store, download it. It's free. I, I let it play and it, I listen to the Word of God. I choose the NLT on there, New Living Translation, and it reads to me, and I can hear the Word of, of God. Like like just starting a book of John, you'll hear the life of Jesus. 21 days. Do a chapter every day for the next 21 days. Watch how God will change your life by having a spiritual meal every day. You'll begin to be hungry. And you will stay coming back for that. Your appetite will change. You will no longer be driven for these things. You'll be driven for Him. And it will transform your life. First Peter says it like this. Peter said this. First Peter 2.2 2, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. That's pretty stern words. You may grow up. You may get healthy. Do you ever see a baby crave milk? Isn't it wonderful? They cry. Like that baby ain't waiting for you. He's going to cry for you to bring that milk, right? As a new baby, like a newborn, crave the milk of God's Word. Wow. And lastly today, surround yourself with others who are hungry for righteousness. Surround yourself with others who are hungry for God. This is so important. Proverbs 2.20 says, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Close with this thought this morning. I look at my life when I first started coming to Christ, and I was sharing with somebody this morning here that, about how that I started coming as a kid to this church. And I didn't realize what was happening. I came in, and, and, and I, I tasted the bread of life. I found out about Jesus. My life was changed. And I kept coming, and, and I kept hanging out here. And, I, and the more I came, the more I kept eating of the bread of life. And then we got to be a little bit older, and I started to notice that, hey, there's a lot of us that are eating together. And, and every time I came, there was, you know, there, there was like this core of people and they loved me and I began to love them and, and, and we all loved God and it was just this really cool thing and we started to do other things. We got into high school and Jim Watts took us out on Tuesday nights to invite people to church. Can you imagine that? We used to show up to your doorstep Tuesday night. Hey, come to church. That's why you're afraid to give us your address. I know, right? Listen, we're not coming to your house. Don't worry, I'm not coming to your house. If I do, it's for fun stuff. It's not to do that, right? But we used to show up to your house. Hey, come to church next week. And hey, we heard you're friends of Ken Barner. Well, come on to church. And I don't know if anybody ever came. But I'll tell you what, there was a bunch of us that kept coming. And we were eating together. We were eating of the bread of life together. And 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 I, I the other day I, I got together. I was with three friends of mine, actually two friends of mine. I'm the third one. <laughs> I can't count. I wasn't. I, I told you I ate the bread of life. I didn't do math very well, right? Phil Allen, Ron Drisler, 
Ken Barner. We were three guys that came in off the bus route. We were in Jim Watts' youth group. And we did so much together. We had Bible studies. I mean, we had, they would send somebody from, from the church down to our house in Dormont. We had a Bible study on, like, Tuesday night we came out here and invite people to church. They had Wednesday night church. Thursday night they'd come to us and have church. And, like, that's all we did was have church. But I'll tell you what. I ran with those guys. Phil Allen. Ron Jister. Ken Barner. We were always together. Like, we're the three amigos. The three troublemakers. I don't know. We were, we were here. And I'll tell you what. We were sitting down on Ron Drister's porch the other night. And we were sitting there. And Ronnie has got the most tender heart. And Ronnie just liked crying. He's like, I just can't believe what God has done in our lives. And I said, really? And we're, we're sitting there. Me and Phil and Ron, we're talking. Like, we're, number one, we're alive. We're here, 50. We made it to 50. Like, if you saw where we come from, you know what I'm talking about, okay? There's many of our friends that didn't make it because of other things that they were hungry for. We fell in love with God, and he gave us a lifetime with him. Number two, we all have wives. That's a miracle. I just want you to know, it's a complete miracle. If you would have saw... Little Kenny Barner, well, we'll stop there, right? It's just a complete miracle. And we have wives that love God. All three of us. And we have kids. Adult kids now. That love God. And we're saying, we can see the end from here. And we're still hungry for God. Do you know why? Because when we were young, we hung out together and the people that were on the same path ate the same food. It's like today, you're going to go out to eat. If somebody says, hey, let's go to Olive Garden, all of a sudden you're hungry for Olive Garden, aren't you? It's just the way it works. And, and these people surrounded me. And so today, Phil Allen is a deacon in this church. Ron Drisser is a deacon in another church. And somehow I'm the pastor. It don't make any sense. But I'm going to tell you this. It is so important. And I want to encourage you as we wrap up today. I want to encourage you to this. Look around, folks. This pandemic has been hard. This has hit everybody. There are people that need you on the path. There are people that you need on your path. Just because everybody hasn't gathered yet means that we still need to go out. And I want you to get on the phone this week. I want you to call two, three people. Say, hey, I love you. You want to come over for dinner? Or better yet, I'll come to your house for dinner. Uh, Hey, what can we do? How can we help you? How can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? And and let's get on the path. And you know, we just need to do life together. It's not like i got to do a Bible sermon. I don't have to have a sermon to do this. I have to be a sermon. I have to hunger after righteousness and I have to understand his love and I have to experience it. Let's close in prayer. Would you respond to God this morning? And just move, Holy Spirit, move among your people. I think there might be something here that God was talking to you about.
Have you been made right with God yet? Why don't you just call on him and pray and trust him? Just pray something like this. Dear God, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised to life. Thank you for being the bread of life. I invite you into my heart and soul right now. And for others, what is God speaking to you about? Just meet with him right now in the quietness of this moment. Just talk to him. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the life that's changed, Lord. My life is nothing spectacular. I'm just an ordinary person who was touched by an extraordinary God. And so, God, I pray that you'll do the very same for all these people in this room here. Would you be the the extraordinary God and touch their lives? For those that are joining us online, God, this pandemic's hard. Some people are hurting. Others are, are just the eating of other things that are less satisfying right now. God, take us to that place where we will hunger for that bread of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today, folks. God bless you. You are dismissed.